Hello and welcome to Cavalcade of America from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I sing. I can sing such grandeur and glories about you. I tramp a perpetual round. Come listen all to Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota to hear their songs. Then to Ohio and Indiana to hear theirs. To Tennessee and Kentucky, to the Carolinas and Georgia to hear theirs. To Texas and Louisiana and along upward to California. I hear America singing. And to you all, each and every one whom I specify not, health to you, goodwill to you all from me, from America. The songs, the stories, and the achievements of a nation and a nation's people have been the inspiration of many distinguished American authors. And among the most recent of our American novels of unusual historical interest is Red Lanterns on St. Michael's by Thornwell Jacobs. Tonight, DuPont on the Cavalcade of America presents a radio play based on this story, featuring the Cavalcade players and starring William Johnstone in the role of Perry White. April 12, 1861, quarter past four in the morning. In the city of Charleston in the free and independent state of South Carolina, a party is in full swing in a home on the fashionable high battery. Folks, listen everybody, quiet, quiet, please. There's going to be action. We've just had word that the Lincolnites over there in Fort Sumter refused to surrender to our sovereign state. So in accordance with our ultimatum, our men will start bombarding the fort at 4.30 a.m. That's in less than 15 minutes. Come on out on the terrace now and see a good show. Oh, Joan, honey, don't cry. Oh, Perry, how can they? Well, take hold of yourself, honey. They treat it like a game, like a cockfight. Joan. Don't they realize it means war? Most of them don't think it does. Of course it does. Some say that when the North realizes we mean business, there'll be a compromise. Oh, no, it's gone too far. When they shoot at those men in the fort, it'll be too late. Darling, be calm. Perhaps it's hard for you to know how I feel, but I know what it means. I know that when war comes, it'll be my duty to hate one side or another. And how can I? How can I hate my friends and family in Boston? 
how can I hate Charleston and the man I'm going to marry? But, Joan... But I'll be made to hate one or the other. You'll have to hate the North because it'll be war. Ladies because... and gentlemen, we've just learned that Mr. Edmund Ruffin, that grand old Charleston gentleman, the father of secession, is to have the privilege of firing the first cannon shot at Fort Sumter. Well, you see him there by the cannon. He's getting ready. Fire away, Mr. Ruffin. beginning of a war, a war that started with the cheers of ladies waving handkerchiefs from balconies and terraces. Three years later, the shooting was still going on, but the gaiety had died. Charleston was blockaded by a solid ring of Union ironclad ships in the bay. Charleston homes stood wrecked from Union shells. Ladies nursed rows of wounded in Charleston hospitals. Charleston faced ruin. Joan... Yes, Perry. I've heard you say often that war is so horrible, we must do all we can to make it less horrible. Of course. And I've said it too. But, Joan, Charleston will starve unless a way is found to combat those Union ironclad ships. And I've found that way. How do you mean? An invention. I'm taking it to General Beauregard in the morning. You said nothing. It called for secrecy. But, Joan, I had to tell you, when this war is over we get married, I'll want your love and respect. So I couldn't go ahead without telling you. Joan, this invention is something that will blow those ships off the face of the water with all the men on them. It's their ruin or ours. I had to choose. What's this all about, Captain White? What are these designs? I call it a diving boat, General Beauregard. Diving boat? You mean an underwater vessel? Yes, sir. Now, look here. You know our previous experiments in that line were disastrous. Two whole crews went down to death. Yes, sir, but I know what was wrong with those experiments. Look, I think I figured it out. I want to make this boat like a cylindrical metal boiler. Four feet in diameter and 25 feet long. I want to divide it into watertight compartments here and here. Uh I've calculated closely that the oxygen in this compartment would last a crew of eight men more than half an hour. And I know the attack on an ironclad can be made in that time. Uh, This design looks as if you know some physics. I've studied the subject. But look, sir, there's no other way that we can ever combat those ironclads. The metal plating on the sides of those ships protects the sides completely, but not the bottom. We've got to reach that vulnerable part. You're right. Quite right. Now, we could approach the ironclad underwater with a great charge of explosive at the end of this long pole passing to the prow. We'd ram that into the bottom of the iron. Then we'd back up quickly, but there'd be a rope from the boat to the explosive charge, and as we backed and the rope became taut, it had set off the explosion. Hmm. Why not? Why not? I've tried to think of every single detail. And now look, sir. Uh, How would this boat be propelled? By hand. Since we can't use an engine underwater, 
The men would sit along these seats here, uh-huh. and each one would have a crank beside him. Uh, here's a detailed drawing of it. Uh-huh. Now, those cranks would turn the screw. Now, we'd start off on the surface. Of course, we'd go on a dark night. Uh-huh. We'd keep going until we came close to the ironclad. Then we'd dive down by filling these compartments here with water. Well, what I want to know is, how are you going to come up again? Well, here. Here's the drawing of that, too. We'll have these heavy metal weights underneath the bolt here, which can be released from the inside by unscrewing these bolts. And every man has a bolt right by his seat. The moment those weights are released, we'll leap to the surface. Excellent. Why not? This boat will be built at once. As soon as it's ready, you'll take charge of the test. Yes, sir. All right, that's all. Yes, sir. Uh, Oh, uh, just a minute. Yes, sir. Captain White, there's uh, something most important I want to discuss with you. Talking about the boat, I clean forgot about it. They tell me you know telegraphy. Yes, sir. Come back here. I notice you talk somewhat like a northerner. Well, I have northern friends, sir. Perhaps I've picked up their habits of speech. Uh, think you could uh, sound really northern? Well, I could try. Mm. Captain White, you're going to jail right now. <laughs> you follow me? I'm not sure. Then listen. You're a Yankee captain from the Military Telegraph Corps. I will give you a northern uniform. And you've been captured. You'll be in a cell with a Yankee officer named Phil Barlow. Philip Barlow has some information we'd like. There's a new Union code being used between the Union ships in the bay and their troops on shore. We've got to get that code. Oh, I see, sir. Take your time. Get Barlow's confidence. When you learn the code, you can signal us by refusing food. Then we'll know it's time to let you out. Yes, sir. Meanwhile, we'll start on your boat at once. through the bars up there. Hanging red lanterns on that church tower. St. Michael's, they call it. What about it? it? means there's a fire. That's the way we used to tell from our ships when one of the shells made trouble for them. That fire looks serious. Too bad. It's a nice old town. I understand our orders will be to level the city to the ground. It's an object lesson. Yes, I'm afraid so. It's the way it is. The longer the fighting goes on, the more violent it gets. Hell, your soup. All right. Mm. Certainly get tired of this soup. <laughs> well, that's all we'll get. Let's eat. Mm. Say, did you say you were from Boston? Oh, yes. I was up there once. Met a girl named Joan Brooks. Stan, she later went south to live. Yes, yes, I remember her. You know her? Yes, a long time ago. Nice girl. Well, I guess she's turned into a fine southern belle by now, huh? <laughs> These southerners are putting up quite a fight. Yeah. Hopeless, though. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I was just remembering how I was given the job of deciphering the new Confederate code. What? Had me guessing, but 
And suddenly, it was just like ABC. Did you decipher their code? Well, sure. Wasn't the key passed on to your company? No. Well, I'll have to explain it to you sometime. It's just based on shifting letters. Well, you knew that, didn't you? Oh, I thought it was. Well, they tried to mix you up by throwing in arbitrary words to break up stock phrases. It's got clever stumbling blocks. Not as tricky as ours at that. I guess it'd be hard to decipher this new series of ours, all right. Oh, yeah. It's clever. Still, it's simple as daylight when you know it. Yeah. Say, how'd they ever think of it anyway? I never ran across a code like it before. Didn't you know where they got? No. Just based on an old gambler's trick. You see, in this old gambling system, king was 567 uh-huh. and queen 348, jack 192. Uh-huh. Uh, here's what happened when they first began working on the code. They took that idea and adapted it in such a way that when the third letter is taken as another... See? That's working out, General Beauregard. Uh, go on, go on, young man. One, six, two. So, these last words become create diversion uh-huh. northeast of Charleston. That's it. You have it. Captain White and I will be able to anticipate every move of the enemy. I'm glad I could do it, sir. Good work, good work. Now, your boat should be ready for tests in a couple of weeks. No word about it has leaked out. Only the men working on it know about it. In spite of the fact that every man on the two crews had tried it before in similar boats drowned in the attempt. These men still volunteered to be your crew. Very good, sir. Now, middle of next month, the nights are dark. I'd like you to be the be ready by the for the first attack on an ironclad by then. Very good, sir. All right, that's all, Captain White. Uh, sir. What is it? My cellmate, Philip Barlow. What's to become of him? I don't know why. Well, if anything can be done for him, I'd like to do it. If there's to be an exchange of prisoners, could he be among them? Mm. Request granted. never mentioned it again, Perry. Well, tonight's the night. We're going tonight. Going? That's all I can tell you, honey. I I had to tell you this much because heaven knows if I'll ever be back. Perry, I'm frightened. Oh, don't be, honey. We've thought out every detail. I know we'll succeed. It, it's just that I had to tell you we were going. Goodbye, darling. I love you, Perry. We remind you that you are listening to the DuPont Cavalcade of America presenting Red Lanterns on St. Michael's, a radio play adapted from the novel by Thornwell Jacobs and starring William Johnstone as Perry White. The Cavalcade of America is brought to you by DuPont, maker of better things for better living through chemistry.
Men, this is your last chance to stay ashore. You know what we're facing. Anybody want to change his mind? Thank you, men. Now, will you please answer when your name is called? McGarry? Yeah. Henderson? Yeah. McCulloch? Yeah. O'Brien? Yeah. Peters? Yeah. Anderson? Yes, sir. Carroll? Yes. All right. Let's get in. Go on out. Take it easy now. Everybody set? Yes, sir. Uh, quiet now. What was that? Sorry, sir. I dropped my wrench. We've got to be absolutely quiet. Not a sound now. Yes. All right, sir. Will each one of you put your wrenches on the floor right beside your seats? Yes, sir. I want to have them handy to release the weight so we can rise to the surface if anything goes wrong after we're down. Is that clear? Yes, yes sir. Uh, Everyone set? Yes, sir. Now, the idea is we've got to get close to those Union ironclads before we dive under. So start cranking, then. Eve. 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 Headed just Eve. about right, I'd say. Awful black out Eve. there. Well, the tonic should be straight ahead. Eve. Eve. Hey, look. What? On shore. Shell must have hit one of those houses. It's on fire. Well, she's blazing Eve. right up, all right. It'll light up the water. We'll be seen. Keep going, men. Keep going. Eve. Stop cranking. Don't move, men. What's that? Wait. Listen. They've spotted us. We're right in the light of the burning building on shore. Don't move, men. We better dive under. They'll fire on us in another minute for sure. All right, men. Close the hatches. Quiet now. All ready to dive, sir. I'm going to let the water into the compartments. Are we down? We're down, all right. Nice and quiet. For once, we don't hear no cannonade. <laughs> all right, now. We keep on as we're headed. We ought to hit her squarely. If we miss her, we'll wander underwater till we find her. Now I'm going to light the candle. Remember, when this candle begins to go out from lack of oxygen, we know we've got to get to the surface and get there quickly. When that happens, I'll give the signal for every man to grab his wrench and start unscrewing the bolts to release the weights underneath. Everybody got your wrenches handy? Yes, yes sir. Remember to be in the dark. Can you find the bolts? I've got right here, sir. Until the flame dies, we've got to keep trying. Remember, if we succeed in this, it might be the means of winning the war. Good luck, men. Good, good luck, sir. Let's go. Stop a minute. Have we missed her, sir? I don't think so. I don't think we've come to her yet. Uh, everybody all right? Yes, yes, yes sir. Does that candle seem to be sputtering to you, sir? No, I, I don't think so. Come on, men. We've got to find the Housatonic. 
You ready? Yes, sir. Let's go on. Eight. 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 Stop cranking, everybody. We've hit her. Now then, quick, back her up. Start cranking. Captain White. Yes? We're stuck, sir. We're rammed in that iron pad. Yeah. We've got to get off. We've got to back away. Hurry up. Hurry. We'll be blown up with the Housatonic to kingdom come. Quick, men. Hurry. Hurry. So take it easy, Johnny. Water. Water, get me some water. Yeah, drink this. Thanks. Who are you? The guard. What happened? Enough so they'll probably shoot you when they get time for it. Oh. Using methods not recognized in civilized warfare. They ought to shoot you. Did the Housatonic blow up? Pieces are still drifting up on shore. What about the others? Your friends? You're the only one found. Oh. You say they're going to shoot me? What do you think? captured, and I've been working for your release. Finally got your papers. Now I can pay you back here to be exchanged. Free? I... I can't believe it. Release the prisoner, guard. Yes. Come on out, Perry. We'll be back in Charleston tomorrow. You're a free man. Joan, darling. Oh, 
Joan, sweetheart. You're back. You're back. Yes. Oh, I hadn't dared to hope. So ain't good to see you back, Master Perry. Heaven be praised. <laughs> to think you're safe. We'd given up hope. Oh, Perry. Oh, honey. Phil Barlow heard about me and got me exchanged. Phil Barlow? Yes. He's back with their forces on Morris Island. I was in the stockade there. Oh, Perry, I'm so happy. I was so lost without you. Joan, someday soon we'll all learn what I'm beginning to understand. That the people of the North and people of the South are not enemies, but kinsmen, brothers. And darling, soon this will all be over, and it must never happen again. Cavalcade of America presents Kenneth Delmar as Stephen A. Douglas, the Little Giant. Idolized and feared by the men of his time, Douglas might have defeated Abraham Lincoln for the presidency. Why didn't he? The answer to that question will be found in our play next week. In our story of chemistry at work in our world, we will tell you how chemistry contributes to better dental health. We hope you'll join us at the same time next week when DuPont again presents The Cavalcade of America. In support of William Johnstone as Perry White on tonight's program were the Cavalcade players. Agnes Moorhead with Joan Brooks, Frank Reddick with Phil Barlow, and John McIntyre, General Beauregard. Our drama was written by Eric Barno, and Cavalcade gratefully acknowledges its obligation for material in the new historical novel, Red Lanterns on St. Michael, written by Thornwell Jacobs, president of Oglethorpe University, published and copyrighted by E.P. Dutton and Company, Incorporated. The orchestra and the original musical score were under the direction of Don Vorey. On the Cavalcade of America, your announcer is Clayton Collier, sending best wishes from Dupont. This is the Red Network of the National Broadcasting Company.